0: You're listening to the Harris Beach Podcast, a show that explores evolving issues in the law and how they shape organizations, the way business is conducted, and how we live and work. The information provided in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials are for general informational purposes only. Thanks for listening, here's today's host. In April, facing enormous challenges from the spreading global pandemic, New York lawmakers and Governor Cuomo sought to protect health care facilities and their workers from the threat of lawsuits stemming from their actions during the mounting crisis. The Emergency or Disaster Treatment Protection Act, passed as part of the state budget, broadly conferred immunity to workers and facilities in the interests of promoting the public health, safety, and welfare of all citizens. But not all New Yorkers thought this was wise. Almost as soon as the EDTPA was passed, new legislation was introduced to limit this immunity. And on August 3rd, Governor Cuomo signed an amended bill that narrowed the immunity available to healthcare workers. The ebb and flow on this issue highlights the difficulty we all face in adjusting to the new realities of the COVID-19 virus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Harris Beach Podcast. Today, I'm joined by partner Emily Crowley. Emily represents hospitals, healthcare providers, nursing homes, assisted living facilities, and adult care homes on areas such as clinical operations, patient rights, risk management, medical staff privileges, medical ethics, professional discipline, and privacy matters. She recently highlighted the state's shifting approach on liability for healthcare workers in a presentation for the New York State Healthcare Facilities Association. Uh, Welcome, Emily.
1: Good afternoon and thank you for having me.
0: Emily, the, the healthcare profession, broadly speaking, as we all know, has really been at the center of the COVID storm and likely is going to continue to be for some time. Perhaps we could start with just a little bit of the context. Why did the legislature and the governor move so quickly to provide immunity? What was the thinking behind the EDTPA?
1: The COVID-19 pandemic moved quickly and aggressively across the state of New York. It created a a public health emergency of such magnitude that really left our healthcare facilities and healthcare providers scrambling to meet the unprecedented demand for services. Facilities and providers worked swiftly and tirelessly to comply with certain state mandates, implement policies and procedures to protect their patients, residents, and visitors, all while caring for patients and residents who continue to need care, whether those patients had a suspected or known case of COVID-19 or needed care wholly independent of COVID-19. So our providers were working around the clock while battling a new virus that proved to be deadly in many instances. As prepared as our facilities and providers were and as talented as they are in adapting to providing care during a global pandemic, no one could have predicted And in fact, no one did predict the magnitude of COVID-19 and its impact on our facilities and providers. During this time, our providers were rendering care in non-traditional settings. Keep in mind, they were providing care in pop-up acute care settings and clinics established throughout our state. And in some instances, without the necessary personal protective equipment, and at times rendering care outside their normal scope of practice. So, with this backdrop, the legislature and governor quickly recognized these unprecedented conditions facing our healthcare facilities and providers and enacted what is now known as the Emergency or Disaster Treatment Protection Act. The purpose of this act was to ensure that our facilities and providers would not be unjustly held liable for conditions or outcomes for which they had very limited control during this COVID-19 crisis. So this law, which I will refer to as the EDTPA, establishes certain immunity protections for applicable healthcare facilities and professionals who act in good faith during the COVID-19 crisis. The EDTPA, which is the subject of this podcast, is codified at Article 30D in the New York State
0: Public Health Law. That's a good outline, and I imagine um, many sectors are out there trying to figure out where the line is drawn in terms of what they can control and what they can't control in terms of liability. So I wonder, could you maybe outline some of the main provisions of who did this act cover and what protections did it provide? It, it didn't say that nobody could be sued, did it?
1: Certainly not. And I, I think a good place to start is the beginning of the statute. Again, we turn to Article 30D of the public health law. It does lay out quite nicely who the Act is intended to protect and what protections, how broad those protections are. So, to address the application of the EDTPA first, it generally affords certain healthcare facilities and healthcare professionals immunity from liability. So, this means both civil and criminal for certain harms or damages alleged to have been sustained as a result of an act or omission in the course of providing healthcare services, so long as certain criteria are met. First, the healthcare facility or the healthcare professional is providing healthcare services in accordance with applicable law, um, or otherwise, where appropriate, pursuant to a COVID-19 emergency rule. Second, the act or omission occurs in the course of providing healthcare services and the treatment of the individual is impacted by the healthcare facilities or the healthcare professional's decisions or activities in response to or as a result of the COVID-19 outbreak and in support of certain state directives. And lastly, the healthcare facility or healthcare professional is providing healthcare services in good faith. So each of those categories must be satisfied uh, before any immunities apply, but now turning to uh, those afforded protection by the Act, the Act grants immunity to healthcare facilities and in certain healthcare professionals identified in Section 3081 of the Public Health Law. And, and the terms healthcare facility and healthcare professional are defined terms in those sections. So, the term healthcare facility includes hospitals, nursing homes, facilities licensed or otherwise authorized under Article 28 of the Public Health Law, Article 16 and 31 of the Mental Hygiene Law, or facilities otherwise authorized to provide healthcare services under a COVID 19 emergency rule. The Act also protects certain healthcare professionals. Again, this is a defined term in the statute, and it is defined broadly to include physicians, physician assistants, pharmacists, nurses, midwives, psychologists, social workers, uh, respiratory therapists, nurses, licensed or certified first responders and emergency medical technicians, home care service workers. Healthcare facility administrators, executives, supervisors, board members, and trustees, and others serving in comparable roles. So that list is not exclusive, so I would turn to the statute to identify those healthcare professionals protected, but the list I just gave is is certainly a comprehensive list.
0: We will uh, link to the law and a legal alert on the subject in the in the show notes, so people can refer to that longer, more comprehensive list. Great.
1: And um, in terms of what types of healthcare services we're really looking at under the act and what the act affords immunity, you know how how the act covers certain healthcare services. The EDTPA uh, applies to services provided by a healthcare facility or a healthcare professional regardless of the location where those services are provided, that relate to the diagnosis or treatment of COVID-19. Or they also apply to the assessment or care of any other individual, again, as it relates to COVID-19, when such individual has a confirmed or suspected case of COVID-19. Now, the, the immunities are certainly not unlimited. The immunities do not apply if the harm or damage was caused by some act or omission that is willful or intentional criminal misconduct, gross negligence, reckless misconduct, or intentional infliction of harm by either the facility or the professional providing the healthcare services. However, it's important to note that decisions resulting from a resource or staffing shortage, um, which we've all seen you know, plenty examples of that during this COVID crisis, will not be considered to be willful or intentional, and will not fall within this exception. Um, Now, Ben, you also raised a a second question. um, And to answer the question as to whether or not the EDTPA, by virtue of its existence, prevents patients or family members from filing lawsuits. The answer to that question is no. While the application of this EDTPA has yet to be seen and yet to be really tested, it's important to note that there is no immunity for facilities or providers being sued, which means there remains, as there always has, the potential to incur certain costs of defending a lawsuit or claim where immunity from liability otherwise exists under the EDTPA.
0: So now, as I understand it, Emily, almost as soon as the act was passed, there was a push to amend it from families, patient advocates, people concerned about those rights. Um, What were their concerns? What areas did they feel went too far?
1: Certainly, we did see, as soon as the EDTPA was enacted, a lot of opposition to it. And uh, the section of the law that received, I would argue, the most attention and pushback from families patient advocates and certain legislators, was the provision of the EDTPA protecting facilities and providers from liability related to the treatment of any non-COVID patient or resident, or stated differently, care unrelated to COVID-19. So to describe that a little differently, the law broadly protected providers from care rendered negligently during the COVID-19 crisis. And this extended to care rendered to any patient or resident. So, for example, as the law was written, if an orthopedic patient presented to a hospital or other acute care facility during the COVID-19 crisis and sought treatment related to an orthopedic concern and the care rendered was substandard or negligent, that provider could have relied upon the immunities set forth in the EDTPA. So that's really where a lot of the focus came from, um, opposing the broad scope of immunity set forth in the EDTPA. So we did see some legislation introduced to claw back some of that broad immunity. For example, on July 20th, 2020, a bill introduced in the Senate by Democratic Senator Luis Sepulveda, who represents the 32nd Senatorial District, sought to amend the EDTPA by narrowing the protections afforded to facilities and providers. So this bill, which was signed into law recently by Governor Cuomo, sought to remove the protections we just discussed that insulated facilities and providers from negligent care rendered to non-COVID patients or residents. The other piece of legislation we saw was also introduced in the state Senate in June, and that sought to repeal the EDTPA in its entirety. So you had this group of individuals, legislators, that thought that the EDTPA providing protection was too broad completely. That piece of legislation was introduced by a Democratic senator, uh, Senator Biaggi. She represents the 34th senatorial district. And um, the bill is currently in the Senate Health Committee. So again, the stated justification for that bill was that the EDTPA really insulates healthcare facilities, um, administrators, certain providers for negligence with no accountability or incentive to do everything possible to stop the spread of COVID. Uh, Again, that piece of legislation has not yet been passed. It may not be, but certainly it would be a drastic clawback of the immunities that currently remain on the book afforded to certain facilities and providers.
0: So really what we're seeing here is an attempt to, to strike the right balance between what needs to happen to protect the public's health and the ability of that care to be provided in a safe and effective manner. Is that true?
1: That That is true. You know, I, I do agree with that because there are two sides of this debate. And on the one hand, what I explained earlier we were, we're really, and we still are, in this unprecedented time of rendering care to patients with a relatively unknown virus, and immunity should be afforded, um, on the one hand, to certain care rendered, but you know, the, the opposite view of that is that it should not be so broad as to insulate certain care and treatment that may be negligently provided and have nothing to do with the COVID-19
0: crisis. In terms of the bill that was signed on the 3rd of August by Governor Cuomo, which attempted to correct some of those, the EDTPA, what were some of the major changes? Did they effectively um, get the balance closer to, to the middle, if you will?
1: So again, as I mentioned earlier, Governor Cuomo did sign into law the amendment to the EDTPA, and the amendment did significantly narrow the scope of the immunity provided to facilities and providers. So first, the amendment removed from the public health law, the immunity protection for treatment rendered to patients or residents during this COVID-19 pandemic that was not directly related to treatment of a known or suspected case of COVID-19. So in other words, in order for the protections now to apply, treatment must be related to the diagnosis or treatment of a confirmed or suspected case of COVID-19. So that had been one of the broad protections for providers in the EDTPA that no longer exists. The amendment also eliminated this immunity for preventative treatment or services related to COVID-19. So that was another area in the EDTPA Mm -hmm. that afforded more protection that that no longer exists.
0: Very complicated issues, a lot to keep track of. What do you think the impact may be both for healthcare institutions in the state and maybe even also for their workers?
1: Well, it really at this point in time remains to be seen how these immunities in the EDTPA will apply to certain malpractice or negligence claims against facilities and providers. So notwithstanding the immunities afforded by the EDTPA, and the expectation that these immunities should reduce the number of claims we see, so the number of malpractice or negligent suits filed, and increase the number of dismissals of these claims, we also expect to see uh, certain claims from the plaintiff's bar, for example, contesting both the constitutionality or enforceability of these statutory immunities afforded under the EDTPA. So if the immunities in the EDTPA remain intact, we advise our providers and facilities to raise these statutory defenses in response to all potential theories and claims arising out of treatment of all of their patients and residents during the COVID-19 pandemic. But to address the question of can we predict the potential impact No. We don't know if this act is going to continue to erode. We don't know how how courts are going to apply it. So it does uh, remain to be seen.
0: Yeah, as as so much is still to be seen based on the the course of the virus here, unfortunately. So last question for you. Does the immunity eventually expire when the public health emergency is lifted? Does this go away? or Might there be other changes as well in uh, the liability protections?
1: So, so that's a good question. Um, the EDTPA is retroactive to March 7, 2020, uh, which is the day Governor Cuomo issued the executive order declaring a disaster emergency in the state of New York. And the immunities expire when the state of emergency is lifted. This means that immunities provided in the EDTPA will be available to applicable healthcare facilities and providers to defend against claims that arise out of healthcare services rendered during the time the state emergency declaration remained in effect. So for example, if a claim or lawsuit is brought arising out of care and treatment of a COVID-19 patient or resident and the care was rendered during the time period that state disaster declaration remained in effect, then as long as the claim is otherwise timely and timely filed, in some instances we may not see for a few years, then the facility or provider may invoke uh, one of these applicable immunities in the EDTTA or in Article 30D. So uh, again, just to clarify, the immunities do not expire per se, but they would only be available to defend against claims that accrue while New York State's emergency declaration remains in effect. And, and I believe you asked about potential for other changes. I did. You know, the, the answer is yes. We do not know yet how this EDTPA will be interpreted or handled by our courts. And there is potential for the immunities to be eroded through judicial interpretation. So we will certainly raise these immunities as defenses. But in any case, it, you know, we're really uh, subject to how the courts want to apply some of these immunities. Also, there's potential for some of the other protections in the EDTPA to be even, you know, clawed back a little more or even repealed. So ultimately, facilities and providers will always have the defenses to lawsuits and claims that they would otherwise have had, whether or not these immunities remain intact. But the immunities will certainly help to protect our facilities and providers during COVID-19 and these, these extraordinary times.
0: All right. Well, Emily, thank you. It's a deep topic, but an important one, especially because we're still not really out of the woods in terms of uh, how COVID is going to change things for all of us in in many different sectors. So thank you very much for joining me. Thank you again for listening to the Harris Beach podcast. Uh, For more information, check the show notes for links to relevant resources regarding immunities in the healthcare sector. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Harris Beach podcast. Be sure to visit harrisbeach.com to join the conversation and access show notes. Please rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast.